Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is one of our leaders, Sam Kayhart. I'm so glad you're here. And I just want to say, what a divine appointment. I take it as no light responsibility to be up here. And even on a day after we celebrated one of the greatest testimonies this church has ever seen, yesterday with Dean Malik, there was no, nothing that I can think more of that this was a divine appointment. Because I'm going to be talking about testimony and witness this morning. And that is a projection of the power of God and His divine appointment. There's no small thing. No small thing. And when we come in today, I just want to see expectation. I'm expecting. I can feel it. Like when I walked into the church this morning, I could feel it. It was just like a weight on my shoulders. God said, I've given something for my people, and I want my people to hear what I have to say. You need to tell them to hear what I have to say. Because what I'm going to give them this morning is going to de define the rest of their lives. What I'm going to give them this morning is going to define where they go from here. What I'm going to give you this morning is a word that God has given me, is a word that I've begun to live, is a word that, that has been a reflection, not only of my life in this world, but now a life that I live not in this world, but eternally in heaven. And He has done the same for each and every one of you. And until you step into that, only then will we see that. We'll talk about what that takes. Hallelujah. God is good, is He not? Come on. Well, we're going to finish up a series today called Spiritual Gains. And I don't like you, but that video is pumped. I'm like, I got to go work out. I got to get in the gym. But it's not necessarily to pump us up to get in the physical gym. But we're talking about the spiritual gym this morning. So before we get into this, let's just pray. Dearly Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in. To overwhelm, to fill this place from the bottom to the top, Father God. Lord, that you would minister to every person here. That you, this is no, this is no small thing. But there is a divine appointment for every person here, even including myself. That you have something for us, and that we are going to receive something this day. And Lord, let it allow to be set root in our lives. Fall afresh in this house today, and let us see you be magnified. Let us see you be glorified, and let us allow your word not to just. Fall in today, but be reflected in every part of our life here at. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. And we thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. And we give you honor and praise in this place. And they all said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've been in a spiritual gains series for the last four weeks. This is week number five. And I just kind of wanted to do a little review so we don't forget what we've been doing in the gym. Because going into the gym doesn't mean you just do one thing one day. But it means you go in... And you do what you did yesterday, and then you add something. And then when you go in the next day, you do that thing that you did the first day, the second day, and now you add something the third day. That's what we're doing. We're adding things. Not to forget the first, or the second, or the third, or the fourth thing, but to allow us to build a spiritual exercise so that we can become strengthened, so that our muscles can begin to grow, so that we can begin to tear ourselves. See, when you work out, when you lift weights, what you're doing is you're tearing muscle. So when we get in the spiritual gym, what we're doing is we're tearing spiritual muscles, right? We're tearing off those things that once held us down. We're beginning to break through. And what happens is when we tear those muscles, when we get into the pains of our life, those things that have hurt us, those things that have overwhelmed us, those things that we have experienced from our childhood, when we begin to tear those, when we begin to, to walk in and say, I'm going to reveal this, I'm going I'm to come in and I'm going to allow people to see my, my weaknesses. 
so that I can become strong. So the Bible talks about that. That my weaknesses will allow me to become strong. And when we tear those muscles, what happens is, is over the next few days, those muscles begin to repair themselves. They, they call it scar tissue. But those, that scar tissue builds this, this huge muscle. And you've got people like Andy walking around with gigantic arms. <laughs> because he's been tearing. He's been working. Love you, Andy. And he's a good guy. But that's what happens. It's the same concept, whether physically in the gym or spiritually. But we've got to allow these things to be torn. Because if we never tear them, if we never reveal those weaknesses, they can never be strengthened. If you keep something in the darkness, you'll never allow that thing to heal. Right? Hallelujah. Well, our first week was Tim Kleiner. He, he talked a little bit about devotion. And Tim, Tim talked about being, being devoted to Christ and not getting fat on the, on the candy or the junk food of the gospel. Not coming in and just taking everything in on a Sunday morning and walking away and holding it and not letting it out. We come back on another Sunday morning taking everything in. We just begin to get fat and we never release anything. But he talked about getting in to the spiritual bread of God. See, Jesus is the bread of life. We need to begin to eat that spiritual bread of God. To eat the good things. Those things that will last. The complex carbohydrates. You'll learn a lot about that. But they allow our body to use that energy over time. So when we get into the spiritual bread of God, the spiritual word of God, when we allow Jesus to come in, He begins to give us the strength to last not just for an hour on Sunday, but for Monday. See, I, I had this thing one time. I was like, why is my Monday not like my Sunday? So I just love Sundays. But why can't my Monday be exactly like my Sunday? Why can't I praise God as good on Monday as I did on Sunday morning? And God said to me, say, you can't. All you got to do is do it. Come on. And, and that's what I started to do. I said, I'm not going to praise God just on Sunday for that one hour. But when I leave the church and I get in the car and I'm leaving, I'm going to praise God on my way home. And when I get home, I'm going to praise God for everything I do that day. And then when I get to work on Monday, I'm going to praise Him on the way into work. And I'm going to allow Him to enter into my workplace. And I'm going to praise Him throughout the day of my workplace. And I can tell you right now that... When I started where I worked, where I started where I worked, there was nothing but rap music and, and secular music going on. There were swear words. It was nasty. It was crazy. It was all over the place. Right now, every day we have Christian rock, and sometimes we even have divine worship music on at work. And I get to allow God to come in, and not only in my life, but He's entering the life of my coworkers, He's entering the life of everyone around me, whether they realize it or not. But it began to be not just a Sunday thing, but a complete walk. That allowed other people to see God's praise. And allowed me to walk in the power of God. Otherwise, I just, I praise God on Sunday, and then I begin to walk in my old power. Being devoted to Christ. I spent way longer on that than I actually planned to. <laughs> Hallelujah. Bear with me. And then Pastor Matt, he brought us a message on serving and being humble. Denying ourselves. So that we can lift other people up. Getting down on our knees. And getting in the dirt. So that we can allow other people to enjoy. To receive. To understand. And experience the power of God. What it really means to serve. Is a denial of self. It's exactly what Jesus did. He denied himself. So that he could come and be our sacrifice. See the Bible talks about him taking off the robes of his righteousness. 
putting on our flesh and stepping down from his kingdom into our world, experiencing everything we went through. He became to be the ultimate servant. And not only that, but when he got here, he didn't stop going down. Oh, hallelujah. is good. He got down when the woman was thrown before him in adultery and touched the dirt and began to write a new story. He got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet because they were dirty from walking on the dirt of the circle. And he washed them clean. And little did they know that he wasn't just washing them for that day, but he was washing them for eternity. Almighty Jesus. He was taking the dirt of their humanity. And he said, you will not be the dirt of humanity anymore, but you will now be the spiritual power of my glory. I have washed you clean. Serve Pastor Matt continued the next week and he talked about worship and giving. Just like he talked today in tithes, giving, and offering. Our giving is a sense of worship. We give. The Bible talks about giving with thanks. Supplication and prayer. Worship is prayer. Worship is giving. Worship and giving are the exact same thing. And they allow us to enter into God and to do exactly what he said the week before. Deny ourselves, get down, and lift up. God and His glory. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. We have been called to reflect Him. And in our giving, we give back those things that He had blessed us with. And last week, Ben Craigness brought the Word. And he talked about being in fellowship and community, building relationships that we were designed to have relationship. We were designed to be unified together. That it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. But we were made to go into community and fellowship with other believers. To community and fellowship with God first. And when we receive that fellowship and community of God, we allow other people to enter into our lives, not so that they can divide, define who we are because we are now defined by God, but that we can help them to understand their identity in Jesus Christ. Amen. And allow the church to have effect on Because you know what? Things happen. Our loved ones die. They're given to us for a time, but they die. And the reality of it is, my wife said this to me the other day, we are all going to die. The reality is, we are all going to die. That is our conclusion on this earth. Death in the physical body. But we need to have an eternal mindset. But see, we're going to go through pains, we're going to go through trials, and without fellowship and community, we will not be able to persevere. We will not be able to push through. We will not be able to see the goodness of God in the pain of this world. We are strengthened by those around us. And today, we're going to talk about testimony. We're going to talk about witnessing. And what it means. See, I feel like God spoke me. He said, I feel like this is the knockout punch. Right? I love the, I love the video because it gives like cool sound effects. When it hits the bag, it's like... <laughs> Way better in the video, but... <laughs> but I love that. Because it's the echo of our echo. Ooh, hallelujah. It's the echo of those things we put forward. It's the echo of those things hitting, right? Making contact. A boxer makes contact. See, if a boxer comes in and he swings and he doesn't, he doesn't make contact at the very end of his stroke. See, the, the power of his stroke is at the end of it. And when he makes contact at the end of his stroke, that is where the most power is inflicted. And see, the end of our stroke today is witnessing because the devil don't care if you're saved. He don't care. If you come to church on Sunday for one hour a week, but the moment you begin to affect other people's lives, the moment that you begin to allow other people to experience who God is, the moment that you begin to experience people coming to Christ, then no 
the enemy. And we're going to deliver a knockout punch. And I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here today to tell you to get into the ring of the devil. Don't ever do that. Just throw scripture across the ropes. Because God has already won the victory. Hallelujah. Don't ever get in the ring. This knockout punch is just bringing other people to Christ. Because every soul you bring to Christ, every soul that you preach to, is another one that the devil loses. Hallelujah. It's just a reminder to him of the loss that he's already experienced. Witness. What does it mean to be a witness? I got a couple definitions here. I kind of wanted to expound on them a little bit. But for the sake of time, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Happy. So what does it mean to be a witness? I think, immediately when I think of witness, I think of a corporate. And someone who comes up and testifies, right? When I think of witness, I think of a testimony. Because that person is testifying of something. Uh, one of the definitions I found that I really like because usually when you put it in, you get like 10 different ones. And they, you know, they all have like the same meaning, but they're worded different. This one said, having the knowledge of something from a personal experience or observation. So personal experience or personal observation. Having that knowledge of something is what it means to be a witness. So if you have experienced Christ, you are a witness for Christ. If you have experienced His power, you are a witness to that power. If He has done something in your life, you have observed that and you have experienced that physically. You have become a witness. Now, just being a witness doesn't mean that you testify, does it? If you brought to the stand. See, a witness brings a testimony or a testament or a testimony of an event or events they have experienced to provide the proof of actual truth. They are the verification of truth. The verification. In the court of law, a witness is used to bring justice through a testimony of events witnessed and knowledge of a fact or of an occurrence with the sufficiency to testify for it. In Acts 1 8, I want to go there with my beginning scripture. Acts 1 8. And it says, But you will receive power. This is Jesus talking. This has got red words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. He says, you will receive power. He says, I'm giving you, I'm going to give you the strength. See, Jesus was at his point of ascension. He was about to go up and be with the Father. He was about to, to walk in to the Holy of Holies. He was going to go into the temple of the Almighty Heavens. And he says, you will receive power. Go in and wait for this power to come. And when this power comes, when this Holy Spirit comes, because he, he was declaring that he was going to give them those things that he had promised in his walk on this earth. Because he said he was going to give us a helper. A helper that would become with us and be in us. That's what he called it to be. The Holy Spirit would come and give us the power to witness to others. And they go and they wait. They wait upon the Lord for 10 days. And all of a sudden in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit fall. And this power is poured out on His disciples. And the disciples are given the power then. The boldness then. The courageousness then. Not that they didn't have it before. But it's an experiential power that overtakes. That allows us to walk in ways that we couldn't do on our own. See, that's the power that Jesus does. He, he comes in and He changes us. And he gave the disciples the ability to go out and preach to the world. And Peter gets up in the midst of this power being set. And he preaches the first message. And over 3,000 were saved that day. It was a witness. He was a witness. And he began to give a testimony. 
And what did it do? It talked about the fact. It talked about the truth. And it brought people to the root, to the understanding of what was true. And when you know truth, you begin to deny those things that were false your entire life. And you begin to walk in the truth. And that's what they wanted. And what does that take? It takes a decision. It's not something that just happens. See, these people didn't just hear this message and walk away changed. They heard that message and they made a decision to follow God. They made a decision to believe in Jesus Christ. They made a decision based on the testimony of the witnesses who had experienced Jesus. From the beginning of his ministry to the end of his ministry, at the cross and the ascension of him into heaven. Witnessing is powerful thing. I want to talk a little bit more. When we think about witnessing, another definition is to bring evidence or proof to something. I love that. To bring evidence or truth to something. When I, when I first read this, I thought, man, Hebrews 11, 11, 1. It says faith is the substance or the Assurance of things hopeful. Substance of assurance of the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? That means my faith. My faith is, is the thing. It's like when you have something in your hand, you're like, this is the thing. You can feel it. You can touch it. It's the thing. My faith. I can't see it or feel it or touch it, but there is a, there's something about my faith that gives me a reliance on, that gives me a, a truth in, that something exists. And it is becomes the evidence. So my faith is the substance or the assurance of there is no denial. And when I believe in something, when you, when you sat down, you believed that chair was going to hold you up. That was your faith. You didn't even think about it because your faith was so assured that you just sat down. And that's the power of faith. faith. Faith is the assurance of. And then what does it do? It becomes the evidence of things not seen. So what happens is, is my faith is the assurance of the fact that Jesus Christ came. That he died for my sins. That he washed me clean. And he has called me new and old things have passed away. Amen. And when people see that, it's the evidence of it. When they see the change of my walk, and I'm going to talk about this. When they see the change of my walk, it becomes the evidence of my faith. Amen. See, if I don't, my walk doesn't change, I have no evidence of my faith. <laughs> if my walk just stays the same, and I, I just say, well, I believe in God. My faith becomes a false witness. Because my, there is no evidence of it. But when my faith is so real to me, that I just sit down in the glory of God without even thinking about it and allow Him to hold me up just like a chair. That becomes the evidence that I have faith. That that chair exists. That that chair can hold me up. That God is there because He has changed me. I did not start out as a good human being. I started out disconnected from God. I tried to get close to God. But I walked away from Him. And then I got close to him again and walked away from him. Why? Because my faith wasn't becoming the reality or the evidence of who God was. Let's, let's keep going here. I think, I think the best thing I, um, that I can think of to reflect this is the life of Lazarus. See, how we live is a direct reflection of our witness to the God that we follow. How we live is a direct reflection of the God we follow. And we need to think about that. Because that's the truth. 
If I'm coming in on Sunday and saying I am following God and on Monday I'm going to work and I, I have the dirtiest mouth and I'm talking the, the grossest jokes and I'm doing things that, that we know, that convince us that is wrong, we are not reflecting our faith. We are giving false evidence of our faith. The story of Lazarus. <clears throat> Lazarus was a man that Jesus loved. And I just want to read <clears throat> a couple of scriptures for you quick. And then we're going to kind of go backwards and then come forward. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Gives us a little outline of where we're at. It says, Jesus, therefore six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him, su made him a supper there. And Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. So when I read the scripture, all I really want you to see out of this scripture, I'm not going to go crazy deep into it. I'm not going to tell you the story about what's going on. But all I want you to see is the fact that Lazarus is there. Alright? Lazarus is there. He is there. He's reclining at the table with the Lord, with Jesus. Then we go down and we go to John chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. And it says, The large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there. Talking about Jesus. And they came not for Jesus' sake. Not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him being Lazarus, Lazarus, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. On the account of Lazarus, many were going away and believing in Jesus. I want you to think about that. Lazarus was a man that Jesus loved. A man that Jesus knew very closely. And one day Lazarus got sick. And Lazarus' sickness was so bad that it brought him to the bed of death. And he died. And in the midst of his sickness, Jesus was told about the sickness of Lazarus. And he didn't go right away. He didn't go to save Lazarus right away. He didn't go and meet him. But quickly that sickness took Lazarus. And they buried him. They put him in a tomb. And Lazarus then, being buried in this tomb, dead four days. Four days. And I don't know what it's like. I'm not it's hot. So I believe that he would begin to stink four days in. Okay? And Jesus then, coming to where Lazarus was, Four days after his death. Since where is Lazarus? Where is he? I don't know if the battery died or what, but I'm going to talk loud. <laughs> he said, where is Lazarus? And he said, we buried him in the tomb. We have put him away. It's too late, Jesus. He's dead. They got me? It's all good. Okay. They got me. He's dead. What are we going to do? It's too late, Jesus. We can't do this. Jesus says, take me to his tomb. And they took him to his tomb. And he said, roll back the stone. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy's standing down. <laughs> we don't want to see him come out. We don't want to go in there and see the flies. We don't want to remember our brother in the disdain of his decomposure. 
And Jesus said, roll back the stone. And they roll back the stone. And I can imagine what they may have smelt. I can imagine where they might have been at standing at that, at that tomb. And Jesus says, he says, Lazarus, come forth. I just want to tell you quick that he said Lazarus because if he had just said come forth, every person in their grave would have got up. Now that's the power of God, okay? But he said Lazarus come forth, and here he comes, just a waddling in those robes, or, you know, wraps that he got. Ooh, Jesus, unwrap me. I'm alive. And he comes forth. I mean, we could, we could spend all day on that, but I don't want to do that. What I want you to get is Lazarus was once dead in his sickness. You were once dead in your sickness of sin. And you died because of it. You were disconnected from God. You no longer have life in you. You no longer have a connection to you. He was disconnected, sick, and died. And Jesus came. And he rolled back the stone of your tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he's calling you today by name. And he's telling you to come forth. And Lazarus came out. He came out with life, a new life. He was no longer dead. But he came out anew, alive. And now we pick up the story a chapter later. You can read about it in chapter 11. But we pick up the story a chapter later. And we find that Jesus has made his way back to Bethany after this had happened. Where Lazarus was. And he was eating, and Lazarus was reclining at the table with Jesus. And there was anointing that, that Mary poured over him a perfume and getting him ready for burial while that was going on. But then we see that the people, a crowd, a huge crowd, began to gather. Not because of Jesus, but because of Lazarus. And you say, why? We're reading this. I'm a, we're four Gospels in. We're almost through the last gospel of John. And then this is the first time that a crowd is beginning to gather because of another man. Now they knew that Jesus was there. Don't get me wrong, it says that. But it says that they came not only to see Jesus, but they wanted to see Lazarus. Why did they want to see Lazarus? Because they knew Lazarus in his sickness. See, your family knows you in your sin. Your family knows you where you used to be. Your family knows you maybe where you are right now. Your family knows you for what you've always done. Your family knows you for being the drunk. Your family knows you for being the one that's always out on the town. Your family knows you for the one that's, be, that's struggling with work. Your family knows you for the one that's struggling in your marriage. Your family knows you. You are identified by your family, by your sin and your sickness. See, they knew who Lazarus was before, but they had come to see who Lazarus was now. See, it's not a witness doesn't just testify by their words. But I'm going to here to tell you this morning, and this is, if you don't get anything else this morning, your testimony, the greatest testimony that you have is the way you live. It will affect people more than you ever believe. And people would begin to gather. It says a large crowd gathered, not to just see Jesus, but to come and see the dead man that had become alive. Why? Because he was different than he was before. He was new. He'd experienced death, and he now experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a foreshadow of what Jesus does on the cross. It's a foreshadow of what he does in our life when we receive him. And see, if Lazarus wasn't living in the life, 
If he was just reclining at the table dead, if he was just a corpse sitting at the table, I, I want to ask you this morning, are you a corpse sitting at the table? Whew. But he was alive. If he was just a corpse, nobody would come to see him, even if they took him out of the tomb and set him at the table. See, we can try and sit at the table of God, but if we're still dead, nobody's going to know that we're sitting at the table of God. And it's not that you can't sit at the table of God in complete death. He will make you alive, but you've got to let him. You've got to allow him to move in your life. You can, you can say that you believe in him all day long. This can be a talk thing all day long. I could sit up here and tell you about Jesus and what the Bible says, and people will do it all over this earth, and they'll be a complete atheist because they have the knowledge of God, but they've never experienced God. They've never allowed God to come in and change who they really are. And I want to just tell you that the power of witnessing, when we get in the gym to witness, starts with the way that we walk, not by what we say. I can't get up here and begin to speak to you if I'm not walking what I'm talking. I'm telling you right now that this is preaching just as much to me, just in that general concept. I'm not there yet, but I'm chasing after him, and I'm running after him, and I want to be as close to him as I possibly can be. See, God showed me this one night. So I used to go and I used to play volleyball late at night. And we'd do like a pickup volleyball thing where we'd play like a power forward thing for like hours. We usually get done like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And we would go in because it was at a bar. We'd go in and we'd have a few beers. And I'd begin to talk to my friend. And this was, became like a weekly thing. And I had a beer or two with my friend, and we would talk about life. And he was struggling through some things. He had some financial things, and I was just there. And this was back when I was claiming to, to walk with God and really wasn't, you know, doing that, that walking thing. But God showed me this night, because we sat down, and I, I didn't really feel like having a beer. I was like, Lord, I don't, I didn't say that, but I was like, I don't really want a beer. And I just told the, the bartender, I was like, I'll just take a root beer. And quickly, my friend follows, and he says, yeah, I'll take a root beer too. And it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit showed up and he says, you do not realize the influence that you have on the people around you. That was the last time I ever drank an alcoholic beverage. Because I can't afford to allow somebody else to suffer because I think I'm okay. Because my walk has to completely reflect who Jesus was. I cannot sit next to the fence, and expect him to show up in my life. We say, well, I've chosen Jesus, but you're sitting right next to the fence, and you're allowing certain things to come in, and you're, you're half dead and half alive. And Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. See, the thing is, God is as far away from the fence as possible. He's not sitting at compromise. And I want to be as close to God as possible. So what do we do? We run away from the fence. We have to run away from the fence because we are living testimonies. We are living witnesses. He said that we are the witnesses. Witnesses. He's given us that power. He said, I gave you the Holy Spirit so that you would be a witness. I didn't give you the Holy Spirit so that you could just flounder it for yourself. I didn't give you the Holy Spirit so you could go bury it in the field. But I gave you the Holy Spirit so that you would have the power to walk as I walked. And we say, well, I can't do it. I can't get over this. It's the power of a decision. Start reading your Bible every time you think about going to the computer. Start reading your Bible every time you think about going to the bar. Start praying every time you think about doing something that's not right. And I guarantee you, you will change. 
It's a decision. It's the same thing when it comes to working out. I go to the gym. I make that decision to go to the gym. Make that decision to eat a donut, a piece of cake, or to eat fruit. My wife is working on me, just so you know. She's like, it's a fruit. Hallelujah. We can change. All it takes is a decision. One decision. Isaiah 43.10. I believe it's 43.10. I got to look. Yeah, Isaiah 43.10. It says, you are my witnesses. Now, Jesus, or the Lord is talking right now to his prophet. And he's declaring over the, 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 the nation of Israel. He says, you, the nation of Israel, are my witnesses. He says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there is no God formed, and there will be none after me. See, this passage is talking about a people that God had chosen. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God has chosen you, whether you are walking with him or not, whether you are being a witness for him or not, whether you are testifying for him or not, he has chosen you. See, the people of Israel weren't necessarily walking in the right way at this time. But God said, I have chosen you. So that you would be my witnesses. I have chosen you. See, he, has, he excluded no one. This passage is talking about the nation of Israel. But this passage, when reflected in the power of Jesus Christ, is speaking to the entire world. There's no one that he left out. I have chosen you to be my witnesses. And when you begin to walk with me, that's what you will become. And I, I will tear down your enemies. See, the people of Israel may not have been walking always in the way that God had called them to walk. But he delivered them from their enemies. He walked them through the Red Sea. He allowed them to see sickness be cast away. They saw healings. They saw deliverances. They saw things happen that they never could do on their own. And he showed them who he was. And they became his witnesses. God's still working in Israel today. And they will be in the end times a witness to the power of God. From the beginning of time to the end time. He has used them to reveal his glory through a nation. And when Jesus came, he said, I'm not going to stop at a nation, but I'm going to give it to a people. And this people is the entire world. Let's hit Acts 10.43. Before I read that, I just, I just want you to know that God does not exclude anyone. You know, you say, well, if i got to be a witness, if i got to be a testimony to who God is, if i got to start walking in the right way, no one is excluded, not one. You might be sitting here thinking, there ain't no way God can, God can make anything out of me. There ain't no way God can call this dead person alive. There ain't no way that I can be anything. But God excludes no one. He's calling you. And you say, why then are there so many people following? Why are there so many people following then after the world? Because they are not able to make, they have not made that decision. Why are you following the world? <laughs> it blows my mind. I, I'm just on this, this run of no compromise. I just, I, I don't like compromise. Don't get me wrong. I still compromise in certain areas. And God is quick to, to just knock me right on the ground and humble me before him. And he, he's so gracious. He's so gracious. You might be living a life of compromise, but he says all it takes is one decision. 
He says, I've always been there. I've never left you. See, the, the crazy thing is, let's read Acts 10.43 quick. In Acts 10.43, it says, Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins. He sent prophets from the beginning of this world. Prophets that bore witness, that he revealed to them who he was, what he was going to do. Isaiah, what we read out of Isaiah, he was one of the main prophets that talked about Jesus Christ coming and saving us from our sins, reconnecting us to God. Allowing us not to be dead in our sins anymore, but giving us the life that we need to live through him. I asked the Lord when I was thinking about this, I said, Lord, what was the first witness in the Bible? And the first thought was, it was Adam saying, she did it. <laughs> and I chuckled a little bit. I was like, that's probably pretty good. But then God showed me. He said it was Abel. It was Abel's blood. See, Cain, his brother, killed his, brother, killed his other brother, Abel because he despised him for the gift that Abel gave to the Lord. And the Lord confronted Cain, and he said, I hear the blood of your brother crying out. And the significance of that is pretty strong because we see the blood of Jesus a really long time later crying out for us. He's testifying. His blood is testifying. His blood is testifying for you. I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. It's so amazing. I can't even explain it to you how amazing it is. But the blood of Jesus is still yet today a living testimony that cleanses us from our sins and calls us new in the power of who God is. That reconnects us to Him. Why? Because the blood of Jesus covered our sins. Because it was pure. It had no defect in it. It was complete. It fulfilled the law. He who knew no sin bore all sin for us. It means he took everything you've ever done and everything you've ever thought of doing, past, present, and future, wiped it out. That means sin no longer separates me from God. Sin no longer keeps me from being a witness to who he is. But what keeps me from being a witness is my belief in God. And you might be here today thinking, this guy is crazy. But I know God's working. God doesn't give me a word like this, even affect my own life in a place like this for no reason. And I know there's people out here that have been coming to church for a long time, that have been doing the church thing, and they go to work on Monday do the world thing and you're professing a faith without any evidence of it and God says if you want me to be real in your life you need to begin to choose to live for me you need to begin to walk after me because just as he gave his prophets witness he wants to give you witness because why? you're the next prophet you're the next one. You're the next D. Malik. See, the cool thing about D. Malik is, is she chose to follow God. She chose to testify. There's so much testimony about D. Malik and what she's done in this place. There are so many people in here and probably people that ain't even been here that she affected. 
she touched because they saw something different and deep. And we lost her. We lost a great woman of God. We lost a great witness for God. But where her story ends, yours picks up. You cannot be ignorant to that. Will you begin your story this morning? All it takes is a confession of belief. See, sin doesn't doesn't disconnect us. It's our belief in Jesus. If we don't believe in him, he never came. If we don't acknowledge who he is, he never came. I'm telling you today that the reality is, is he did come. But if you don't choose to believe, he never came to you. The Bible spells it out very clearly. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make a decision to become a witness for the Almighty God. If you want to stand with me, it would be awesome. I know the Spirit's working in this room. I can feel it. I know you're thinking, man, I ain't, I ain't been the witness God has called me to be. But I don't want you to focus on where you've been. I want you to focus on where God's going to take you today. I want you to see that. It's not about where we've been. It's not about the things that you struggled with on your way in this morning. It's not about what you left in the car. It's not about what you might be carrying right now, the thoughts in your head right now. But it's about the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. He washed you clean. And he was a witness. His blood is testifying for you in the courts of the Almighty. In Zechariah 3, It talks about a man named Joshua that Satan was sitting next to Joshua, accusing him. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. Go get some clean robes, some pure robes. Take his dirty ones off because he's a child of God. He's not representing himself, but I'm his witness. And I'm representing him. And God's representing you in the courts of the Almighty right now. And if you choose to believe in him, he becomes your witness. I'm just going to say a prayer quick. If there's anybody in this room that's struggling with your faith walk or that needs to maybe experience God for the first time and say, I need a witness because I have struggled all my life. I need a witness because I'm in pain right now. I want you to raise your hand. God might be working in you. If you need him, I want you to raise your hand because God did something for you and he's saying, I want to see you do something for me. I'm going to say a prayer. Prayer first for those that need a witness for the first time. And a prayer for those that need to walk in a better way. So let's just close our eyes. I want you to repeat after me. If if you've never done this before and you know you need Jesus and you know you you need a revival in your life, just repeat after me and believe in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I haven't done everything right. I need you. I acknowledge your witness for me. I acknowledge that you came and died. And I believe in you. 
come into my life. Make everything that was dead alive. Resurrect this body and make me anew. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to pray for those of you that maybe have said that prayer before but haven't been walking it. I just want to pray with you this morning. So if we just keep our eyes closed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray for all those that know you, that have confessed your name, that have been walking in struggle, in pain, in distraction, in the things of this world. And Lord, I want, I want your spirit to come, Father. I invite your spirit to come and rest upon them and to begin to reveal to them your power. To begin to move in their life. And Lord, I pray that you would empower them to make a decision. That through their weaknesses, that they would become strong. Empower them to walk in a new way. And to reveal the transparency of who Jesus Christ really is. Bless them. I pray, Lord, that no accusation of the enemy would hold them down but only by the victory that you have already taken. We deliver a knockout punch to the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. That not by anything that we've done, but by the blood of the almighty Jesus Christ, that he is finished. That he will not have my life. That he will not have my family. That he will not have my friends. But that I will be a standing witness of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we declare it. And they all said, Amen. We're going to worship the Lord, and I just want you to open up for that. Thank you for your time, At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.